0: This audio is from King's Cross Church in Independence, Missouri. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit kingscrosskc.com. This morning's reading comes from John chapter 1, verse 14 through 18. You can find that on page 886 in the Pew Bibles in front of you. This is John 1, verse 14 through 18. We have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. It is a pleasure to be here with you all today. Uh, If I have not had the pleasure of meeting you yet, my name is Howard Peñate. I am the uh, pastoral resident here at King's Cross Church. And I just want to take this time and opportunity. Man, if you're here for the first time and you're experiencing these technical difficulties, I just want to say I'm glad you are. Because we're not a perfect church. Amen? We're not perfect people, and in life things don't work out perfectly. And I love that. Because it's not about perfection or performance. It's about coming together as a family today to be reminded of the glory of God, but the promises of God. So if you have your Bibles already open, I'd like to pray us in and we'll get started. So Father, we need of you this day. You are the living, breathing God. Who has not left us, has not abandoned us. You are present in every situation, every storm of life, every moment of peace. You are there with us because you are present with us in all circumstances. And so, Father, we pray now that your spirit would move and lead us to see the beauty of you, your son, becoming flesh to rescue us from our sin and from ourselves i'm but a man and i can only do much but you do amazing things lord would you do amazing things today lord would your word transform our hearts and minds in christ jesus That we would be a people who are so moved by your spirit and word that we would not be the same people as we walked in. And not saying that as a cliche, but, but I say it, Lord, because only you have the power to change our hearts and lives. Help us. We need you. I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been going through our sermon series in John, and it is by far one of my favorite gospels for a lot of reasons specifically because you see real life situations it's not superficial Christianity you see Jesus meeting people in the midst of their brokenness you see Jesus coming to the leper and healing him and touching him you see Jesus going to the woman caught in adultery forgiving her you see Jesus do so many beautiful things in the scripture. And what I love about the gospel of John, you see Jesus' heart on display. And as I was given the assignment to preach John 1.14, it is a very known verse in the church world. And I knew I had um, a lot of different opportunities and a different, different ways this text could be proclaimed and preached. And I wanted to tie a story together with it. And what came to my mind as the Lord was preparing me this week was a reminder. It was a young married couple. They had a daughter. They were expecting a boy. The child came. Beautiful, healthy baby boy. Five months later, the wife got pregnant again. And for about two to three months, she didn't even know she was pregnant. She was afraid to tell her husband. And when she did, he was livid. He was so mad that she got pregnant again, that he told her, you need to take care of that. You need to get rid of the child. They argue, they fought and the wife decided to keep the baby. Then came the time for the delivery, and as the baby boy was coming out, his umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck. He was born purple in the face, not breathing. This young boy would be healthy. He would live a life of rebellion, And by God's mercy and God's grace, God would save him at the age of 17. And he would learn a very important truth of God's word. That every single pregnancy is planned out by God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because his word says, he says, I formed you and created you in your mother's womb. God is the one who has control. He's the one with the creative genius to make us and form us to the character and nature that we are. This young boy, I know who he is because that is me. I'm a child of unplanned pregnancy. And I could tell you having three children of my own, how it's led my life to appreciate my children. But see, I know that story isn't uncommon of unplanned pregnancies. And as I read John 1.14, you know what I see? I see the master at work, my brother, my sister. He has planned this exact time and moment that the word, the living God, because John has already told us that the word is the Logos. That he's God himself. This exact moment in time in John 1.14 is when God enters in into humanity. It was long-awaited hope. It was God fulfilling every single one of his prophecies for this exact moment in time. If you're taking notes today I want to give you my main idea I'm going to tell you where we're going to be going today my main idea is this Jesus was born from a miraculous conception of the Holy Spirit and God would enter into humanity in the person of Jesus Jesus had real emotions understood the sufferings the struggles of being a human and truly experience what we go through. Therefore, he can sympathize with us. And we can rest in the fact that God knows our frame and our weaknesses. He is God with us. And we can draw near him in any circumstance or situation. He will not turn us away. For he is a merciful, gracious God. We're going to be looking at today how God becomes flesh. How God dwells with man. And how Jesus is the only source of truth and grace. So if you have your Bibles, let's dive in and let's see how God becomes man. Turn with me, if you could, to Matthew 118. That is three books to your left. Matthew 1.18. We're going to look at the origin story of how this Word became flesh, beginning with the conception. Matthew 1.18 reads, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. This is the conception of our Lord. Joseph sees that Mary's pregnant. Angel tells her, Joseph, you are not the baby daddy. It is from the Holy Spirit. This isn't man's work. This is from God. Now move over two more books and go to Luke chapter 2. gonna see the birth of Jesus this is the moment in which the word becomes flesh Luke chapter 2 verse 6 and while they were there the time came for her to give birth that's Mary and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This is the moment the word became flesh. This is the moment in time that God, the second person of the Trinity, puts on flesh and blood and is born in a lowly place, crying in need of a mother to feed him. Think about what that means. Jesus was going to experience childhood. Dependency upon his parents for every single thing that he would need as a child. Let's look at Jesus' life in action. Turn over several verses to verse 40. In chapter 2 of Luke. And the child grew and became strong. Filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Cross over, look at verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom, and in stature, and in favor with God and man. We see the word not only becoming flesh, we see the word growing, learning. What it meant to be a small child meant there. There is a. I will acknowledge the mystery behind that. Like we don't know if Jesus was like my 11-year-old boy. If y'all met Elijah, man, he is something special. But he he will say things and do things, and I'm just like, Jesus be with them, protect them, you know. But, like, I don't know if Jesus, like, did, like, amazing things, like, brought little friends back to dead. There's books out there that say he did. We don't know. But what we do know is that what the word is telling us, that he grew in stature. And what we do know is that Jesus, as he grew up to be a man, there was nothing beautiful about him. Isaiah tells us, for he grew up before him. Speaking of Jesus, like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So you know that stained glass window of like white Jesus with the blue eyes and the perfect face? Like, that, that ain't Jesus, y'all. You know, just so y'all know. Uh, some of y'all are like, no way, he's not Jesus. Like, he's- Jesus was Middle Eastern. He was brown like my color. All right, just so y'all know. All right, just so we know. Now what's interesting about John, go back to John. What's interesting about John is that John is an evangelist at heart and he's laying out this very clear point for us and his readers about the word becoming flesh because he was counteracting or counterattacking the lie that was being told at that time I'm going to give you a theological term for my theological nerds they're going to nerd out Um, but for the rest of us um, it's okay We're walking this together. The word is called docetism. Docetism means this. It was a belief in which people thought that Christ did not have a real or natural body during his life on earth, but only an apparition or a phantom one. So basically, Jesus was only a hologram. That's what they believed. This would give rise in the beginning of Gnosticism in the, in, in around the church. And so what John is doing, he's direct, directly fighting the lie by speaking this truth. The word became flesh. Jesus was a real person who really lived. Let me break that down for us. Why that matters. In the age in which we live today, ask someone who doesn't know Jesus who they think Jesus is. What are some of the common answers you'd hear? Jesus is a what? A teacher. A good man. What else? A what? A storyteller. He was just a prophet. They minimize because they don't know what God's word says. Therefore, they assume. This week I was having a conversation with somebody. And they said, man, Jesus was just a regular man. There was nothing special about him. That is the most common misconception with people who don't know who Jesus is. And what John is trying to show us and show people then is that not only is Jesus somebody, but he is God. He's God who came in the flesh. He's God who came to live among his people. He's God who came to suffer for his people. He's God who came to live, die, and resurrect. And John will spend all these chapters showing and pointing us to Jesus. So that our faith would not shake, but that our faith would be built upon this truth that Jesus did come in the flesh. And it's such an issue that John feels he needs to talk about because he talks about it in 1 John chapter 4. And he says in 1 John chapter 4, he says this about those who say that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Listen to this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 2 reads, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Verse 3, And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God, this is a spirit of the Antichrist. Which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. There was a sister I knew, she's still alive. Been a believer for about 20 plus years. And um, we were talking about Jesus one day. And we had got to this one part in Colossians, I believe, and it talks about, you know, Jesus being made. And I said, well, you know, isn't it interesting that Jesus has always existed? And she began to tell me, well, no, he he was created by God. God made him. Like, it says right here. And I said, my sister, you have to know what John 1 tells us is that he's always existed. There's never been a time that Jesus has not existed you may have a wrong view of who Jesus is, but allow scripture to inform you that you would know that Jesus was a physical person. See, family, the incarnation that's what I'm talking about today is God becoming flesh, is at the very foundation of our faith. Without the incarnation, Do you know what that means for you and me? That that means that there is no hope for you and me. That means that we come in here singing words that are useless and have no meaning. It means that people that we love, when they get sick and we try to give them the gospel hope, we're just giving them false hope and lies. If the incarnation never happened, you and I are meant to be people who are teaching false teachings. We are liars. But Paul makes it clear. He makes it clear that the resurrection did happen. He makes it clear that Jesus did live. The incarnation tells you and me today That God not only hears us and sees us, but he's experienced what we've lived. Man, I'm not talking about a God who is on a throne with a white beard, white Jesus, and a bunch of clouds around him, and, like, these angels with, like, trumpets wearing white robes. I don't know why I got that image, but that's the image I got. Like... No. God came in the flesh. He experienced hunger, thirst, righteous anger. He experienced frustration. Do you know that Jesus' life, from the moment that he was born, he experienced suffering? There's an article I read in TGC that talks about the active and obedience and the passive obedience to Jesus. I won't get into it. But what's interesting that they talk about in that article is that Jesus' whole life, from the time that he was born, he literally suffered. He was around darkness all his life, sinful people all his life. He knew the thoughts of men. He knew their motives. Imagine if you knew your boss's motive. Or your husband's motive. Why he's being so nice today. Imagine if you could read people's minds. The scriptures teach that Jesus knew the thoughts of men. But why does this matter? Because Jesus was just like you and me. Family, the incarnation has everything to do not only with your life, not only with your salvation, but your future. Your future matters. Look at John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John will spend the rest of the book... Pointing us to Jesus being a person. He will spend his entire time showing us that Jesus is a man, but he's also merciful. He manifests as God's steadfast love, his forgiveness, his peace, his patience, his resurrecting power. He provides miracles and signs so that people would see God among us it means this when it says that, that, that he dwelt among us that means that he lived among us and this is what it means it means that we have a representative for our obedience you may have heard the, the term thrown around Jesus lived a life that I could not live have y'all heard that before Have you ever wondered what that really means? It means that Jesus obeyed for you perfectly. And we needed that family. Look, I I know we're coming in here, every one of us, with our own baggage. And some people's baggage are like, it's overloaded. It's like when you go to the airline and they're like, oh, you're over, so you got to pay more. Like, some people are like that. Some people are caring a lot in this room. Man, can I tell you why it matters for Jesus' obedience for you? Because the mistakes and the failures you've had this week trying to follow Jesus, trying to be good enough, trying to be a good Christian, it's not about your performance not about your perfection it's not about that there was only one person and he came in the flesh and he lived that life for you and me family that should give you peace that surpasses all understanding in your souls because you don't have to try to make it up to God two weeks ago I was having a conversation with with a Muslim brother or with a Muslim man, and me and another brother were sitting down in his living room, and as we're sitting down in this room, we begin to talk about Jesus, and this young man begins to tell me about his failures. He says, man, I messed up so bad beginning this morning, and I've sinned so much, and, you know, man, I just asked God for forgiveness, and that's it. But i got to always ask God for forgiveness. Just hearing that from him reminded me of the rat race of our works. And so I began to tell this young man, I'm like, hey, listen, brother, let me tell you something. It's not about what you have to do. Do you know that that's the reason why Jesus came? He wasn't just a prophet, he is the prophet. And he came to give you truth and life, to speak into this that you don't have to try to earn your way up to God. We don't need to try to earn our way to God. Should we obey? Absolutely. Should we be moved to follow Jesus and sacrifice? Absolutely. But if your motive is, i got to obey so God loves me, can I tell you that you have your wires crossed? You know what happens when you put a red wire where a black one should go on your car? Sparks fly. Some of y'all know that. Amen. I did that one time and never did it again. Bad things happen. We get those crossed very easily. And guess What? Even if you've been a Christian for 20 years, you still need that reminder. Because we go astray and we forget what Jesus has done for us. God dwelling among us means that Jesus was our substitute. That he took your place. He took your sin. He took your penalty of sin. Man, you know how beautiful that is to know that Jesus took all your sin, all your basura. You know basura is trash. I'm speaking in tongues over here. I'm going to get kicked out of here. (laughs) Basura means trash. All our sins, all our junk. Jesus took all of that and he bore it upon himself. It amazes me that we have a God who would do that for us. And Jesus is the one who carried it. Your sins, my sins at the cross. No matter the sin. No matter the offense. You know how scandalous that sounds? But that is the radical mercy of God for sinners. Some of y'all have not had a hard life where I was preaching at last in the church I served in Houston, I did inner city ministries. And a lot of people in, those, in that city, in that area, um, there, was a, there was a big drug problem and alcoholism. A lot of different sins where people's openness and brokenness was exposed. It wasn't hidden behind closed doors. We need the reminder that Jesus took all our sins. We needed a mediator. God dwelling amongst us is Jesus being the mediator for us to not only broker peace, but to speak peace for us. We needed Jesus to be our high priest. Turn with me if you could, uh, Hebrews 4.15. I'm limited on time, so i got to wrap it up. Hebrews 4:15 I'll read it to you. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us Someone say let us. Then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Jesus has come as a man, lived, died, and rose again. But he did it so he can know your pain and suffering. To know how to meet you in your brokenness. So why do we not believe that? Why do we try to carry our own problems? Why do we try to carry our own situations on our own? We don't need to. This text is an open invitation for us all. Notice what the throne is called. It's not called the throne of judgment. Praise God for that, right? For real. For real, for real. But it's called the throne of grace. He makes the invitation for us to go freely if Jesus never would have dwelt among us, we wouldn't have been able to have the opportunity to approach God. Moses could not even approach God. Only one could, and that was Jesus. So we can come with this invitation with our trials, trials, with our sin, with our unbelief, with our brokenness, whatever it may be, wherever you find yourself today, I tell you like I tell myself. There are days, I'm going to be honest, there are days I don't believe that truth. Is anybody else like that, or am I the only one? Okay, there's two people, man, praise God. Two people in this whole room. There are days I don't believe that. And I call upon God. And I say, Lord, help me, help me with my unbelief. Help me believe your word today, because I need you. Family, I'm telling you, when we see the importance of the incarnation, of what it means for you and me today, it means that we come from a long line of other believers who have lived and died on this truth and are alive today. Those who have died and gone before us, they're in glory, praising and singing God. And I will see my grandma. I will see my family members one day. And that is the truth of the gospel. And that's what I put my hope on. That my hope is not for this world alone. Our hope is in a future hope where all things will be made right. Where every broken thing will be restored. Will there be no more pain, no more suffering. And how we know that is because Jesus came. He made good on his promise that one day he would come. In Genesis 3.15, that the seed would come. That's Christianese for Jesus. The seed is Jesus. He came. He filled over 350 prophecies. He came for you and me. If you could take anything from today, one takeaway is Hebrews 4, that you have a high priest who can sympathize with you in your weakness. You are not alone. Do not try to do it alone. I'm telling y'all like I told myself. I'm not here to scream at you. I'm here to encourage you that your faith would be filled with the truth and the knowledge and the grace of God that his word would transform you. I'm short on time. Let's pray out. So Father, we thank you that you are the source of grace and truth, that from you we receive grace, upon grace. There is no other name under heaven in which man may be saved, but only through your name. And it's only because you came to rescue and save us. We know that your love has been made manifest among us because you sent your one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. And the reminder in this, love it's not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins that is our wrath bearer. So Father, remind us today that you were willing to send your son to die a criminal's death. You did not withhold your son from us but you gave him freely. He lived, he died, and he rose again to new life, and he has promised. He has promised, he has spoken, he has said, he has declared, he has proclaimed, and he says this, I will come back for you. Let our hearts not be troubled by today's troubles or tomorrow's worries. Let our hearts Be firmly fixed on the foundation of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.